Good morning. Our message this morning is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. And I would ask you to stand, if you're able, while I read. We'll also read John 3.16, which is our key verse for our series on love letter from God. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 to 10. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. Imagine you started a restaurant here in Moments. It gets successful enough that you franchise it to someone local and you head off to Indianapolis to start another one. A few months or even years go by and you hear that there are some challenges at the restaurant. So you send an email to the managers and let them know that they need to focus on the customer. They sort of listen, but there are still issues. So you pay them a visit. And the employees mostly listen, but there are still a few who are annoyed by your presence. They like the celebrity chefs who have come to Moments and to the restaurant and who are telling them to do things that focus on the celebrity chefs, not the customers. So they send you an email after you leave and ask that the next time you come to visit, you, uh, and you want to start telling people what to do, that you bring some letters of recommendation with you and prove that you know enough to tell them anything, that you are equal to their famous chefs. This is the restaurant that you started, that you built. That is what is happening with Paul and the church at Corinth. The church he founded in the town has become so enamored with celebrity preachers and the excitement they bring and the amazing preaching and the radical movements they generate that they ask Paul to send along a letter of recommendation to prove to them that he is as good as these others. 
at the church he started. And even though these preachers are looking for money and trying to separate the people and preaching a different gospel, one that says that if you follow Jesus, you have all the things you want and you are never poor or persecuted because blessings. They're listening to these people. So Paul writes them this letter. He's already gone and visited them. He's talked to them in person. He has written them the first letter that we read. Now he writes them this second letter. And in this letter, he's hurt and a little angry. And if you read the entire letter, he talks about the fact that following Jesus means you might experience poverty and persecution And that the promise you have is not that those things go away, that you never have suffering, that you never have things that happen to you that you can't deal with. But instead, the promise that you have is that you never go through anything like that alone. Jesus is with you. These verses in 2 Corinthians are Paul saying, look, I could tell you all my credentials. I could boast about all the things that I have that they don't. I could boast about all the things that I have that they do. I could tell you all the ways that I am exactly like them. But what I am going to tell you instead is that even though I could do that, I won't. And the reason is because you are my letter of recommendation. You are the people who came to be in Christ because I came to you and talked to you and showed you what the Spirit of God looks like. Showed you what it looks like to follow Jesus. I've told you what it means to live in the light of the gospel. And I've told you what it means to follow Jesus. And that you do, that you keep moving in that direction, that's all the evidence I need. That's all the proof you should need. So, Paul says, I could tell you all of the ways that this makes me like them and that I am not any less than them, but God has told me instead that I should reflect Jesus. God has asked that instead I reflect Jesus. In fact, since God has been so faithful in showing me Jesus over and over, I have been given an affliction that plagues me constantly. A thorn in my flesh, Paul says. It's something he has asked for deliverance from. He has asked God, he has prayed and said, God, please take this from me. And God has said, no. God has said, no. My grace is sufficient for you. And in your weakness, in this thing that you're dealing with, you will see my strength. You will see me show up. My power is made perfect, Jesus says in your weakness. In other words, 
When you are experiencing some infirmity, some weakness, and by the way, there is a lot of speculation as to what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. Can you show the next slide there? Uh, it probably wasn't actually SpongeBob, but um, if you hear that in his voice, hey Paul, what you doing, Paul? What you writing a letter, Paul? Hey Paul, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think you get the idea that it was a very annoying circumstance that he was dealing with. Uh, scholars think it may have been residual blindness. That it may have been something that he still had low vision from having encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. It could be any number of things. Paul has mentioned other illnesses that he had as he went through. It could be uh, residual damage from one of the beatings or the stonings that Paul suffered. All of those things, it could be any number of those things. But the reality is, is we don't need to know what it is specifically. Because if we knew what it was specifically, we might say, well, if I have this, then I should just never expect God to work on it because that's the same as what Paul had. But instead, what Paul says is, look, I have this thing that bothers me. You don't need to know what it is. What you need to know is that when we are weakest, when we experience the hardest things, when we struggle, when we encounter hardship, that is the moment when God's power becomes evident to us. Because it is in the presence of Jesus and the grace that carries us through that we can see God at work. When you're struggling to make ends meet, maybe small gifts from others around you, or finding resources you need become the presence of Jesus to you. When you are experiencing illness and a friend visits or a medicine helps, you can see God's power at work in that moment. When you are hurting or struggling or wondering what to do next, God shows up and walks alongside you God's grace is found in the little things and the big things. And when you are at the end of what you can do, of where you can go, that is when God's power is obviously the only way moving on is possible. As I was writing this and thinking about this, I was thinking about the situation at our church. In so many moments, we have thought we weren't going to be able to keep going, that we couldn't possibly, that we weren't going to have the resources or the work was just beyond us. And then God. We sold a building and properties that should have taken years in a matter of days. We found a space that fit our needs for the moment and works for the ministry we need to do. We found a way to feed kids this summer and teach them about God's love. We found a way to share our resources with those who need them. 
We have reached out to people in our community, and we have continued the work of building the kingdom of God in moments by stretching out our hands and offering to show grace and hope in places that need to see that somehow. And all of that is not us. It's not me. It's not the district. It's not the denomination. It is the power of God pouring out in places and times and moments when we are weakest. When we can't do it under our own strength anymore. God showing up and showing out. And I don't believe God is done here. I don't believe we have seen the last of God being God in this place. Because we still have limits and weaknesses and things we need. And we still have Jesus. And his grace is enough. His grace is our strength. His presence is our promise. And his power is beautifully evident when we simply cannot do more. God is here. God is at work. Let's cooperate. I'm reminded of a quote by one of my favorite authors, Rachel Held Evans. The Holy Trinity does not need our permission to carry out their endlessly resourceful work of making all things new. That we are invited to catch even a glimpse of the splendor of them at work is grace. All of it, every breath and every second is grace. We get to be a part of something bigger than us. Because we are limited. And because God's power makes it possible. That is a beautiful and wonderful and scary and priceless gift. Well, I'll ask you to pull out your blue sheets now. And we will conclude our message the same way we do every week. I'll ask you to say whatever is bolded on your page as we go along. What does it mean to say God loves? To create us, to form us from the dust. To let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's, to let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. 
to raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead, and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. Beloved, God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. And God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread. Know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.